So I'm uh, Eduardo Noronha. I'm a global head of HR, operational excellence, innovation for JBS. I've been with the company for eight years. I'm based in Greeley, Colorado. And uh, part of my job is innovation. So I work with JBS team across the globe to bring innovation to, comp to, the, to our company and as well to create a collaborative environment when people can share that experience and knowledge in order to, to bring innovation into the market uh, and, and meet customers' needs, expectations and, and for products, technologies and uh, anything that they, they need right as a, a leader in food uh, in our segment. Uh, we believe we need to be protagonists on that, and we, we put our force and resources to, to make that happen. Um, so the biggest new development is obviously um, the acquisition of Biotech Foods. Well, um, on the back of that, obviously, JBS is one of the, if not the largest meat producer in the world. Um, so what has spurred um, this direction of going towards um, you know, cultivated meat? Um, and is this going to play a big part of what JBS is going to be offering in the future? Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, so I'm going to answer a twofold thing. One, it's why cultivated meat, and the second one, it's what the play that cultivated meat are going to, the role going to play inside JBS. So one part of our strategy is to develop alternative proteins, right? And inside alternative proteins, we have three big buckets. One, it's plant-based. We already have products in the market. It's something that it's been, been in the market for many, many years. For JBS, it's relatively new. It's about three years old inside JBS, but the plant-based products have been offered for some, some decades already, right? So we're already in that, in that market. We can talk about this as well. The second bucket is fermented, right? You can fer fermented proteins, use mushrooms or other, other source or fermented protein. We have some developments there as well. Don't have any product in the market market with fermented protein. We use some ingredients, but not products uh, by by themselves. And the third piece is the cultivated meat or cultivated protein. That's why biotech foods uh, uh, it's it's winning, right? So we have we have inside JBS uh, uh, a strategy to develop the alternative proteins, and the reasons are are the following: one. Uh, is the expectation of population growth by 2050 by the United Nations that, that we're going to have 10 billion people in the planet. So it's about 35% increase in, in terms of number of people. Uh, and the demand for proteins is expected to grow 70% due to the access, more access to protein, right? We have a very different consumption per capita around the globe. So we believe that the population with less consumption per capita going to grow, have more access. So that's why 70% uh, increase. And to, to meet that demand by 2050, using that timeline as a reference, uh, it's necessary to develop alternative ways of producing proteins. That's, that's one of the pieces that as a, as a larger uh, a food production company in, in the globe, we, we, we need to be there and help to foster there and develop those, those alternative proteins. And the second thing is consumer needs and trends. The consumers are also changing their habits, the behavior, and uh, looking for alternative ways to, to, to have the source of energy, right? So the protein. So 
Uh, there are two things. One, it's a need by itself to provide uh, protein to the world. And the second, is consumers' preference and needs, right? So the two things brought us to today's strategy. Uh, in terms of the second piece of your question is uh, what's what's the role the cultivated meat going to play inside JBS portfolio? It's hard to say right now what should be the market share inside our portfolio or global portfolio in terms of or, or uh, in terms of proteins. But our belief is is the following: uh, today the the protein market around the globe it's about eight eight hundred billion dollars per year. And you'll be close to a trillion dollars in a few years, right? 24 or 2050. So any percentage on a trillion dollar market, it's relevant already, right? So there's some some uh, projections say it is 5%, 10% or 15%. Some saying this 30% in all alternative proteins. At this point for us, this is not the biggest uh, motivation. The biggest motivation is what I, I mentioned before, right? Needs provide alternatives for, for the consumers or a range of the, our portfolio and any percentage of a trillion dollars in terms of marketing is already relevant to have a line of products to, 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 to be part of that segment. Going off of your, um, the, the, the first part that you're saying that there would be a need for more protein um, just to, to population growth, um, is this, are, are you looking towards alternative proteins because um, you know, as a replacement to traditional meat, or will it be supplementing your traditional meat production? Yeah, we, we don't see as a replacement. We see all those offers coexisting, right? As I mentioned to you, it's hard to say what, which, what, will, be, what will be the market share inside. Uh, but we truly believe that... Uh, we're going to have room for the traditional way to produce protein the way we do today, plant-based, fermented, and cultivated meat. They'll be complementary, not, not, not a replacement. We don't see the demand for the traditional protein uh, reducing over time. We're going to increase in orders and keep up with that demand, right? Uh, it's two, three percent a year the 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 the, the growth uh, on, a, on a traditional protein, and it'll be there. We believe it's going to keep growing in terms of uh, total volumes. What's going to happen that the other the other alternative proteins may grow faster uh, than, than that, but we don't see a, a, a replacement. We see the the coexisting and people uh, having a chance to to pick and choose what what they want. Uh... And um, in terms of the people, sort of the the need and demand, um, is there um, most demand or most um, push for say cultivated meat, plant based, alternative meats in general um, has been from uh, more flexitarian diets? Is this something that you've observed as well? Yes, yes, yes. The flexitarians are the ones that are more willing to try. Uh, because they 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 can take whatever it's the best right in terms of uh, access right so affordability nutrition and a balance from diet right so we see that population we see that population or that option and being flexitarian on trying almost everything are growing right we can see the acceptance in the uk for example uh a recent uh uh uh, research or, or a survey showed that 60% of the UK population is willing to try plant-based, right? And 34% are 
willing to try cultivated meat, right? It went when available, commercially available. So we can see people uh, willing to try new technology and, and new products in the market, regardless of what's the source. It's more about how nutrition it is, how safe it is, and affordability for sure. Can you speak at all about any sort of innovations in um, alternative meats that you're pursuing? Um, are you looking for one-to-one replacements or uh, are you looking at maybe um, different products that don't already exist but can play a role as an alternative protein? The point that what, what we're doing and what we're seeing is um, a lot of products are coming to the market that we ourselves included. It's hybrid products right so you have uh, different ingredients can be partially with plant-based and different kinds of source of proteins some of our products use as a base and on a, on a meat alternatives right on a plant base uses a base on a protein the soy other products use the pea protein and there are other developments and other alternatives in the different types of beans right uh, and all those things are, are, are coming along a lot of developments and ingredients uh, uh, to to improve the tasting, to improve the texture, to improve the color, because some people, some consumers, they want to see something that's similar to meat in terms of texture, taste, color, right? Uh, other 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 consumers, they don't care much about. It's more about the nutrition and and what you bring into your 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 table, right? And we try to balance all this, this demand. So a lot of developments from the technology behind the scenes, like extrusion, wet extrusion, new new ingredients. For example, here in the US, our products, we have a, a unique ingredient uh, inside of the microtechnology as a fermented ingredient that's produced uh, here in Colorado. That's a unique for a product. So it's a, there's a lot of developments happening there. So we only see a lot of hybrid products coming to the market and our products too. Uh, how long before we're going to see uh, a grown steak on the kitchen or on the, the dining room table? Uh, that is a very good question. So uh, I, the, the way we see this is a steak itself, the way we, we see today, right? Uh, we're going to take a little bit long uh, because to have the whole muscle growth uh, on a bioreactor is something is a technology that hasn't been developed yet. A lot of people are working on that. We're working on that, but we are not there yet. There's, it's a long journey. It's hard to say if it's 10 years from now, 15 years from now, because the technology is evolving very, very quick too. But one thing for sure that would be way quicker, it's products with cultivated protein inside. Right, so processed products—the way we we call them, the way we know them—so burgers, meatballs, sausages. Uh, we believe in two, three years those products will be on the shelves. Uh, uh, a steak with uh, whole muscle will be longer. I would say up to ten years, maybe a little bit more. Obviously, you just you briefly mentioned a little while ago just about um, the UK. Can you talk about any particular developments that JPS is going to have in the UK um, and the sort of direction that you perceive the protein market specifically developing um, you know, in Great Britain and extensively Ireland as well? Sure, sure. Ab- absolutely. So as I, as I, as I mentioned before, um, some recent data showed that the, the, 
uh, the, the UK uh, population, it's willing to try those alternative proteins and are very happy with the progress we're having in the UK market because we, we have two of the top five alternative proteins or plant-based proteins. Uh, two of the top five are our products with Richmond and Vivera, right? Vivera was an acquisition we made uh, about a year ago and Richmond came with an acquisition that we, we made a, a year ago. And they are growing fast and they have a relevant participation in the market already, right? Richmond with, uh, with a 7% market share and Vivera with 5% market share and Richmond growing at the pace of 62%. So it's, it shows uh, uh, how good the products are and how much uh, the consumers are eager to have this kind of product in their diet. So UK is a priority market for us. Actually, in the entire Europe, it's where we have the, the most important production, distribution and sales platform, right? We, we employ more than 20,000 people in the UK and have uh, several factors, factories in, in, in England, in, in Northern Ireland and in Ireland. So UK, it's a priority market for us, for sure. Do with our presence, it's the biggest presence and, and the success we're having in the market. We're very happy to, to be part of this market. Uh, and um, aside from obviously the, the other developments you know talked about in uh, alternative proteins, um, what other developments can we expect to see in the near future from JVS? Um, yeah, in traditional meat, um, you know, the, what other markets are sort of exploring? Yeah, uh, sort of maybe the next five years, ten years. What's the future hold? Yeah, sure, sure. We we are working to keep diversifying our portfolio of products, right? If you take when JBS got started in the mid-50s in Brazil, just cattle, right? Just beef and move it to chicken, to pork, to plant-based, right? To more processed foods and prepared foods and ready to eat, ready to cook. Uh, we also had an acquisition last year on, on the seafood side. So we have a salmon business. So it's the first one inside JBS. So once again, we're looking for opportunities to expand our portfolio in terms of source of protein. Can be the, the traditional ones or the alternative ones, right? And also we are working to keep building more value-added products that meets consumers and, and customers' demands, right? Uh, even on a traditional and fresh side with uh, shelf life extension, different packagings, in terms of recyclability, there's a lot of demands around the traditional products as well that we can improve, right? For example, anything on shelf life extension, it's very helpful because it, it, it minimizes the waste or the risk of waste in terms of food, right? And the waste on the very end of the process is the worst one you can have because all natural resources have been applied to that product that's already in a tray. If you waste that, it's a lot of resource that's being wasted, right? So we're working uh, very, very hard also to put in resource in terms of uh, uh, a more uh, uh, extending or protecting the product we have already and building up on that uh, platform. 